0: You're listening to the (laughs) DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Welcome to Dolphins Talk Weekly, your one-stop audio breakdown of all of this week's Miami Dolphins news. Now, here is your host... Kevin Dern. Happy Monday, Dolphins fans. It's another Victory Monday here on the Dolphins Talk Weekly podcast brought to you by BetUS. I'm your host, Kevin Dern. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at KevinMD4. You can follow along with the show on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And what a win it was for the Dolphins yesterday, beating the Carolina Panthers 33-10. to 10. An absolutely dominant performance, and finally, finally, a complimentary football game where all three phases did some really good things for the Miami Dolphins. In this episode of the show, we're going to talk about the recap of the Panthers game for Miami what it means. We'll dive a little deeper into the offense and to the defense. We'll look ahead to the next opponent, the New York football Giants, who are coming to Hard Rock Stadium. And then we'll take a look at, you know, some things that they could potentially self-scout during the bye week coming up after the Giants game. But first, before we get into all of that, a quick word from our partners at BetUS. Hey, guys, sports betting season is in full force. With the NHL and NBA regular seasons started, the NFL playoffs coming up and the college football playoff creeping ever closer as we get to the months of December and January, my favorite time of the sporting calendar year. And you guys will need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost 3 decades, thriving in paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, B-E-T-U-S.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BET-US, that is 800-MY-BET-US, and you'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code Talk. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all of your NBA and NHL games, with team and player props, loads of NFL bets and odds up now. You can also bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf and round matchups, and live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all of your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp US mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity just like I did. Bet US. You bet, you win, you get paid. Bet US. And while I didn't place a wager on it, just to give you a quick recap of sort of the mini vacation I had. So I was off Thanksgiving Thursday all the way through Monday as you're listening to this podcast. And it's been one of the greater sports weekends Uh, that I can remember in recent history as far as my personal favorite teams go. If you've listened to the show or followed me on Twitter, you know that I'm a University of Dayton alum and I'm a big fan of the basketball program. Well, I'm sorry for a lot of South Floridians because the the Dayton Flyers beat the Miami Hurricanes on Thanksgiving Day. I don't know how much of a surprise that was. I've heard Miami's going to have a pretty down year. But Dayton had come in having lost three games in a row at home, which is something they don't do. The last time they had a three-game home losing streak was the 1992-93 season, so it had been a while. And they had won their first game of the season, then dropped three in a row at home to the likes of Lipscomb, Austin P, and UMass Lowell. Not UMass, UMass Lowell. And I read somewhere, I think it was the Ken Palm rankings, that no team that has ever lost to UMass Lowell has made the NCAA tournament. Well, on Black Friday, the Dayton Flyers did the unthinkable, and they upset the number four-ranked Kansas Jayhawks. So that alone made my weekend, because Dayton had no business beating a team like Kansas, who's got two of the best players in the country. Dayton is a team that comes loaded with 12, I repeat that, 12 Freshman and or redshirt freshman. Their most experienced player is a redshirt junior. They don't even have a senior other than a walk-on who doesn't play. Then they went on to win their game on Sunday to win the ESPN events invitational they won over Belmont. So I don't think they're out of the woods yet as far as an at-large status goes, but clearly a very talented, young, very young team But uh, if you liked Obi Toppin and and had fun following the Flyers on that magical season a couple years ago, two names to kind of keep tabs on. Deron Holmes, I think I mentioned him on the podcast. He's a true freshman. And then they have another young guard from the Bronx, New York, Malachi Smith, younger brother of famous Flyer Scoochie Smith, if you guys remember him from the Archie Miller days. But Dayton wasn't the only team of mine that did winning over the weekend. I do follow Arsenal FC in the Premier League, and they had a 2 0 victory over Newcastle, which put Arsenal basically in a tie uh, in the table with West Ham. I think they're behind them on goal differential for a spot in the top four. They have a big match with Manchester United coming up this Thursday. So I was feeling pretty good. Now, I don't really have a favorite college football team. Dayton's college football team at the time was Division I AA, non-mid-major. It's quite a distinction when I went there. They're Division II now. But if I had to pick a team, it would be Ohio State. My grandfather went there. My uncle went there. My dad and my other uncle grew up fans of the team. I have an aunt on my mom's side who went there. A lot of ties to Ohio State. And they got manhandled by Michigan. Kudos to Michigan. You know, it's been a long time, 3,000 some odd days, but you finally did it. But even then, the the Flyers beating Kansas had kind of carried the day for me. I didn't really feel that great about the Dolphins going into the game against Carolina. I thought Carolina had a lot of interesting matchups that could potentially scare a team like the Dolphins, who let's just—they're not the fastest bunch you've ever seen on the field. It's not like the the early days with Jimmy Johnson and Dave Wanstead. They've got some size. They've got some physicality to them, and I didn't know quite how well that would match up with the Panthers, particularly Christian McCaffrey. But the Dolphins winning 33-10 to and holding Christian McCaffrey to 35 total yards on 10 touches, mm, that was brilliant. So quite a sports weekend for me. Hopefully they keep up, and a little bit sad at the end, though, because this was the weekend I was planning on coming down um, but with school and everything else going on, I wasn't able to swing the trip this year. I'll be down in South Florida next year at some point for a home game, maybe two. We'll see. But unfortunately, wasn't able to get down this weekend to see that victory. And what a victory it was. Um, starting with the block punt by Duke Riley, Justin Coleman recovers it for a touchdown. Miami had a lot of success, which was Tua's connection with Jalen Waddell. That went for a score, Miles Gaskin, a pair of touchdowns. I mean, really, the only things that didn't really go their way, you can kind of boil down to a series of four or five plays. So Carolina hit the big 64-yard pass uh, to DJ Moore on that one, and that was against Miami's cover zero package. And I think what happened is the Panthers executed a scissors concept or a switch release on that side. And Xavier Howard bit underneath to try and play the out. And I think Byron Jones was supposed to take up DJ Moore. And DJ Moore ran kind of a skinny post and split the difference. Miami's pressure didn't get home. Carolina blocked it up perfectly. I don't remember which back was in. But one of them picked up Javon Holland coming on the backside of Cam Newton And that was basically your free runner and Newton had time to throw that ball. And, you know, Cam Newton still has a cannon, but considering, you know, everything that went on in that game, Carolina ends up with 134 passing yards on the day, 60 of it came on that one play. They end up with 198 total yards, so 60 of it on that one big pass and then they had the um, fake punt run to Sean Chandler that went for 14 yards. So, if you think about that, the the Dolphins' defense today—five more sacks, including three by Jalen Phillips, three more interceptions—held the Panthers to four of 14 on third down. Held them to 50 yards rushing on 17 carries, including. 35 yards for Christian McCaffrey, 15 of that coming on, one carry. So that's nine other carries for 20 yards for Christian McCaffrey, and he ended up leaving the game with some sort of injury. So Miami's defense is on fire right now. They've allowed just 11.5 points per game the last four, which is better than the streak that Kansas City had, where they were allowing 11.6 points per game. Now, you talk about the bad plays. There was obviously the long pass to D.J. Moore. You had two shotgun snap issues. I think the first one was a little low and a little hot, but that's one that you would expect a quarterback to be able to handle, not excusing Austin Ryder's snap because it wasn't good. But I think Tua, nine times out of ten, probably catches that one. And that was the one time where he didn't. The other time, right before the half, when it looked like Miami was going to be able to at least come down and attempt a field goal. Not really sure how that one came out that low, that wide, and that fast. I mean, there's really nothing Tua can do there in that situation. You probably just need to advise him in the next time, just fall on the ball. I know it's counterintuitive because you're trying to make a play and score points, but at that point, it's better off just to recover it and take a knee and get out of there. Um, and it basically gave the Panthers you know, a free field goal. Um, but that's more on Austin Ryder, who was one of the few players who had a decidedly not very good game. He ended up getting injured later in the game. And then Jason Sanders, you know, at first I thought it was sort of the weird bugaboo where if he was on the right hash, he didn't really have a good hook shot, you know, like in golf where you hit it from right to left, but missing an extra point, ending that streak, you know, just having an odd season this year, you know, still trust him to make any kind of pressure kick you ask, but, you know, you'd like to see him clean some things up and I kind of feel like that's why Brian Flores elected to kick that last field goal just to try and build up his confidence. You know, missed the extra point but hit two other field goals. So, you know, some wishy-washiness there. As a whole, the offense really impressed me today. And, you know, I talked to a couple people about this game and several people asked, you know, what's your biggest you know, matchup to watch with the Panthers. And to me, it was the Dolphins tackles, Eichenberg and Davis versus Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. Now, Jesse Davis had a litany of issues, you know, gave up the the strip sack from Brian Burns, was able to fall on the ball to, to save a turnover early, M- completely missed a block on a screen to Albert Wilson that might have had a chance to go a little bit, you know, further down the field. And just overall, not a good performance by Jesse Davis. I think that's just something we're going to have to be used to. Liam Eichenberg had a couple of issues. He had a holding penalty. He had um, a pressure that caused another sack to be allowed early in the game. I think that was by Hoskins, the D-tackle. mit kind of whiffed on Brian Burns and Tua stepped up into a sack. But other than that... I thought the offensive line pass protected fairly well. Liam Eichenberg, you know, kinda got taken behind the woodshed against Baltimore on that Thursday night game. I think he's rebounded pretty nicely with two pretty strong showings, and I thought he held his own against Reddick and Burns today. I would also credit Philip Lindsay for the outstanding block he had on the long crossing route to Jalen Waddle from Tua. So, you know, kudos to the offensive line. It wasn't always pretty. They did rush over 100 yards, hit 111, but it took them 39 carries to do it. Savon Ahmed averaged 3.4 yards per carry. Lindsey averaged 3.5. Gaskin averaged 3.1, had the two touchdowns. You had the weird Durham-Smythe, two for three. And then Tua had four carries total for zero yards, including the kneel down. So... A little bit of a mixed bag there, but at least the past couple weeks, they've been able to kind of run the ball when they've had to to at least help set up some of the play actions and RPOs. So kudos to the offensive line there. I think they've started to figure some things out. I thought they had some very interesting alignments with Preston Williams being in the backfield today, Durham Smythe being in the backfield, Mike Kosicki being in the backfield Um, I don't know if that's due to Adam Shaheen being out, but they were pretty creative with it. If you notice on Gaskin's first touchdown run, it's Preston Williams basically leading him around the right side. And then on the second touchdown run that Gaskin had, an interesting thing that the Dolphins did, they had an unbalanced line. It went Durham, Smythe, Jesse Davis, Eikenberg, Jackson. And all four of those guys hit blocks on that touchdown run. That was Probably one of the well, most well-blocked plays I've seen this year from Miami. So kudos to the offensive line. Jalen Waddle, you know, the kid's a superstar. Nine catches, 137 yards, a touchdown. But the star of the day was Tua Law. And last podcast, we talked about it. I'll take my traditional victory sip of Lagavulin 16. But we talked about it on last week's podcast, how... If you were just saying, you know, did he check the box against the Jets? The answer was yes. Today, without question against the Panthers, emphatically, yes. 27 of 31, 230 yards, a touchdown, had the two sacks, but 108.3 quarterback rating and, you know... Pretty good decision-making for the most part, I thought. Didn't have the, you know, oh, no, why are you throwing that throw that he's had. You know, had that against Baltimore, had it against the Jets. Didn't have it against the Panthers, which is a good thing. I felt like he navigated the pocket fairly well. You know, he was able to step up and make plays happen. You didn't have as many, you know, pre-snap and... You know procedural things, kind of snafus that they've had. A couple weird false start penalties on receivers, Albert Wilson and Jalen Waddle. That should never happen as receivers. But otherwise, Miami was pretty good. You know procedurally getting in and out of the huddle, operating sort of that. No huddle, sugar huddle on a several drives. You didn't really have to bake in a lot of RPO action. It was a lot of play action, a lot of. Crossing routes, quick hitters, spot routes. And to me, might have been Tua's best performance as a Dolphin. I know statistically the Arizona game was better. He's had a couple of other games with more yards and more touchdowns. But I think just from an overall command of the offense, leadership element of the offense, this was his best performance. (laughs) You know. Only four incomplete passes where you look at the other side, Carolina, Cam Newton, P.J. Walker, 21 incomplete passes. Those two guys combined for 10 of 31 through the air. You know, they hit some longer passes, but overall, you know, if Tua can play like that the rest of the season, you know, I think Miami still has to make an investment at quarterback if that's the case, if Tua plays that well. But it's to find a better backup quarterback than Jacoby Brissett, whether that's free agency, trade, draft, what have you. But if you can get this from Tua consistently the rest of the season, I think that's going to... It should, in my opinion, it should make him the starting quarterback in 2022. There shouldn't be questions if he plays like that. And I think what's more is we may have some reinforcements coming in the form of Michael Dieter, Devontae Parker, maybe, Will Fuller. You know, if anyone sacrifices a goat or whatever you need to do, you know, maybe those two guys come back and you're able to get some threats on the outside. You know, no disrespect to Mac Hollins, Preston Williams, and Isaiah Ford. But Parker and Fuller are better if they're ever available. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited because the Panthers, like we talked about, number one pass defense in the NFL, the best. They were technically ranked third in sacks. But that's only because Minnesota and Chicago were tied ahead of them. Only two sacks today. And it didn't feel like they took a whole bunch of pressures either. You know, there were a few here and there. I thought Tua did a really nice job of mitigating the pocket, moving up. You know, was able to slide when he took off and ran. Just pretty, I guess, resounding performance from Tua is the word I would use. You know, I've been waiting for that game. I felt like he had those in some instances last year. The Arizona game, the big one, you know, did that for a half of a game, several times. You know, Kansas City, Cincinnati, New England. Today was basically two throughout. And I feel like Miami could have scored 40-plus. I think they definitely took their foot off the gas on purpose. Um, but Carolina was a team that had a lot of interesting matchups. I didn't feel great about coming into the game. And I think what's clear is... Brian Flores and Josh Boyer can coach the hell out of a defense. And I think week in, week out, say whatever you will about George Godsey and Eric Studesville. But they've at least showed some creativity in putting together different plans and giving teams different looks to prepare for. Especially a team like Carolina, who's got a lot of speed on defense. They're able to come after quarterbacks. They don't give up big plays, you know. And it's not like Miami tried to challenge him down the field. You know, everything was intermediate or shorter. But they were able to get space for Jalen Waddell. Fi- and we saw a lot of yards after catch, which is something we've been missing. They were able to utilize Durham Smythe at times. He had five catches in the ballgame. Mike Isicki, not really targeted today. I think Carolina did a nice job of getting matchups on him. But if you can have a guy like Jalen Waddle you know, kind of carrying the load for the receiver room, and you can get back to Vontae Parker and Will Fuller down the stretch, Miami's going to be a tough out for any team left on their schedule. And after a quick word, we will talk about their upcoming matchup against the New York Giants. Brace yourselves, fellas. Winter is coming. What the writers of Game of Thrones didn't want to tell you is that Brain was actually in a wheelchair because he didn't trim his balls with Manscaped. Poor guy thought it was okay to trim his balls with a traditional razor or hair trimmer. Not sure what you want as a gift for the holidays? Well, Manscaped is the ultimate gift, and they're here to change men's grooming game, and you can get twenty percent off plus free shipping if you use the code dolphinstalk at manscaped.com. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 4.0. The performance package 4.0 is the best in the business. This hygiene bundle includes the Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Boxers, Travel Kit, and Liquid Formulations. The new Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce nicks and cuts, and even has a light to help with your close shave down there. No need to have a red wetting situation next time you're going for a trim. The Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and Hair Trimmer can help you whack those nasty weeds in your delicate holes. This product also has proprietary skin-safe technology to prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. The performance package also includes the Crop Preserver. It's deodorant for your balls to protect against chafing. No one wants that. Also, their Crop Reviver Ball Toner will keep your boys fresh at all times. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall and you don't know when your next shower is. No worries. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes are for you. Have smelly feet? Manscaped can help with their Foot Duster Foot Deodorant made to fight odors of the dirtiest feet. And if you want to smell good everywhere, the Refined Cologne by Manscaped is a clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. On top of everything, they've even thrown in the Shed Travel Bag to carry your goods and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxers to hold the entire package together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DOLPHINSTALK at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Dolphins Talk. It's time to join the Manscaped movement. These products are snow joke. And thank you to the fine folks at Manscaped for sponsoring the Dolphins Talk Weekly podcast. Now, Miami, five and seven, winners of four in a row, on paper, it looks like these next two games Give them a really nice chance to get back to 500, which, after the start of this season, in my eyes, would be huge. And it's a huge testament to Brian Flores and this staff for being able to keep this team together, keep them fighting, and now keep them winning. Miami's got one more game before their bye, which I think is great because it's another chance to self-scout as you go into the final, you know, quarter of the season. You know, using the old terminology when we had 16 games, the final four. You've got one more left before you get to self-scout at that bye, and it's against the New York Giants. Now, the Giants come into this game kind of in the same boat as the Dolphins. They're 4-7. They're 3-3 at home on the year, so they haven't been a good road team sitting at 1-4. Now, they did come off of a 13-7 win over the Philadelphia Eagles, and The Eagles ran all over the Giants, 208 yards on 33 carries. Jalen Hurts had 77 of it, but you look at it, Boston Scott had 15 for 64. Miles Sanders had 9 for 64. So both of those guys hitting over 4.3 yards a carry. The Giants, conversely, not very good in that game. Saquon Barkley, 13 carries, just 40 yards. And looking at numbers as a whole... The Giants come into this game 24th overall in, in total offense in terms of yardage. Um, they are 18th in terms of passing yards on the year. You know, they've been behind, so they've had to pass the ball quite a bit. 26th in running the ball, especially with Saquon Barkley, that's kind of a low number. I know he has missed some time, you know, they average around 90 yards a game. In terms of their point output, they, like the Dolphins, still averaging below 20 points. Miami's averaging 19.5. The Giants, just 18.4 points per game. So, this has the potential to be a pretty low scoring affair, you know, if the Giants' defense comes to play. And they did force three turnovers or three interceptions from Jalen Hurts. Defensively, you know, I think some of the losses they had. In free agency, namely Dalvin Tomlinson, were big. You know, they've hit this defense hard with some injuries. They're 15th in points allowed at 23 even. Um, thought they were a little bit better last year. Against the run, which was very surprising, they are 26th in the league, giving up almost 130 yards a game, giving up 127.7 yards a game. They're right in the middle of the pack, 17th against the pass. So what this game for me is, and, and you look at what Miami's done. They're giving up less than 12 points a game over the past few weeks. In terms of run defense, I think Miami keeps chipping away, and they're about to hit under 100 yards allowed. I think they're at around 104, something like that, in terms of yards per game, you know, kind of heading up to the top of the league. So... um. We'll check that here for you guys. The Dolphins right now, 12th in the league in run defense at 104.9 yards. Um, for perspective, you know, only, I think, eight teams, seven teams are even allowing fewer than 100 yards. But there's a whole pack kind of in between that 100 to 110 range, and the Dolphins are right there at 104.9. Uh, been very good over the past month. So hopefully they're able to keep that trending in the right direction against Saquon Barkley. Giants have some interesting receivers that Miami may have some issues matching up with Uh, Sterling Shepard and Slayton kind of worry me a little bit. I think Howard and Jones will be fine against Kenny Galladay. I think Miami's going to have a chance to get after Daniel Jones and rattle him You know, him using his legs is kind of an underrated weapon. We saw what an athlete he is when he's not tripping in the open field. Um, So something to be cognizant of with the Giants. But I think on paper, this is a game that Miami should be able to kind of stack in the win column. Might be ugly, given the Giants are able to put together some impressive defensive game plans at times. But as long as we can keep them from getting Saquon Barkley you know, on track. I feel better about Miami's chances against the Giants than they did against Carolina. So, last segment will make this a shorter podcast this week. In terms of the bye week, you know, you get a chance to sort of self-scout, possibly get some guys back, Michael Dieter, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller. You know, you might have the opportunity to really come out and kind of keep tinkering with the offense and changing some of the the formations and personnel groupings and how you use certain guys coming out of that bot and you look at these teams you know Miami kind of held the Jets at bay we didn't get a chance to see them against Zach Wilson something tells me we will the second time around so that'll be an interesting twist on the game um you look at new orleans right now you know they still have a a very talented defense but without a quarterback without alvin Kamara, that offense just has trouble moving the ball trouble scoring points so that game doesn't seem quite as daunting on paper right now as it did you know even a couple weeks ago tennessee without derrick henry if he's still out I think you get a chance to go in there and kind of fight for your playoff lives, potentially, as long as you take care of business leading up to it. The New England game, the finale, that one will be the toughest remaining game, I would imagine, um, just because of how well their defense has played at times, some of the successes they've had against Tua. I know Miami's never lost to New England with Tua as the starter, but they certainly haven't put up boatloads of points against the Patriots in those games. So, you know, you've got a chance to self-scout. I think what they've been doing on defense as far as playing the run, they've incorporated, you know, some different guys. Duke Riley is playing more. Zach Sealer playing a little bit more. Um, Justin Coleman has really heated up over the past month and a half. You're seeing Jalen Phillips starting to come alive. You're seeing Andrew Van Ginkle, who... You know, I think that Buffalo game has really, that was the turning point for him this year, the Buffalo game on the road. He's really brought it every game since then. Um, Javon Holland, especially. So defensively, you're starting to see them kind of revert back to how things were a year ago with even better run defense at this point. Now, I know the overall numbers aren't going to look that way because of what happened. Earlier in the season with some of those blowout losses, Tampa Bay, the home game against Buffalo, you know, kind of got taken for a ride in some of those, you know, games against Indian in Las Vegas, just because the defense was left out there to rot in a lot of those games. But I think we would all agree that basically since the Buffalo Road game, the defense has looked a lot, lot closer and in some regards even better than what we saw in twenty twenty. Now, offensively, still have issues on the offensive line, and I, I don't think those are going away in season this year. But they've started to play better. You're starting to see better play from Eichenberg, which I think is a big thing. Robert Hunt, I think, is probably the one guy you'd look at and say, okay, you know, he's a starter next year. I think Eichenberg probably has sort of been that number two guy More along the lines of of where he's going to start is the question. And, you know, I was kind of a bigger fan than most coming out of college. Austin Jackson has impressed me the last few weeks as a left guard. Is there something there that's real? I don't know. I wouldn't say hand him a starting spot next year. But if you can keep getting him to improve throughout the remainder of the season, you know, that's an interesting spot, and I do think that Michael Dieter's physical presence may help if he's able to come back, you know, you, especially against teams like the Giants, Jets, the Patriots, all who have bangers up front that you're going to see. So, that's another interesting development to watch, too. But I would also caution with that change, if it happens, how much of Austin Ryder's veteran savviness do you lose? In pass protection. What's the trade-off there? But, uh, you know, I was very pleased with how Miami came out against Carolina. They were using, you know, they basically used four different running backs in the game. here's Savon Ahmed, basically a sort of a gimmick slot receiver. Philip Lindsay for coming in midweek. Did a really nice job. Got 12 touches. Miles Gaskin, I think, is has, has always kind of done what's asked of him. Patrick Laird on some third down stuff. You know, some blocking assignments looked pretty good. So overall, I'm encouraged. And I think if you can get some of this talent back at wide receiver, it gives you some more dynamics that you haven't been able to have. And I think that's what makes the game that Tua had against Carolina so impressive was that you basically were fighting the Panthers with Jalen Waddell and Durham (laughs) Smythe. You know, the Panthers decided to sit on Mike Isicki, Held him to three catches. Most of that was in short yardage, no huddle stuff. Right before the half, damn good game by Tua. Damn good game by the defense, and a dominant win all the way around. And those come few and far between in the NFL. So, Dolphins, that's going to do it for this episode. Let's cherish this one. Have a great week, and let's look forward to facing the Giants next Sunday. Fin's up.